Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, Scriptorians. This is Lori, and you have found the 20-Minute Scriptorian. And today we're headed into Helaman chapter 13, Samuel the Lamanite, as part of the Come Follow Me curriculum. But first, big shout out and big thanks to my friend and scholar, John Nelson, who has been, uh, he calls himself the substitute teacher. I would call him guest host. But thank you, John, for helping guest host. I hope you've uh, loved his insights as much as I have. So let's, uh, I'll give him a big shout out for his help. John has had some great insights and some really great uh, scholarly thoughts, and it keeps me on my toes. So thank you, John. Everyone, silently thank John. Okay, so welcome back. We are headed back into just one of the most beloved sections of the Book of Mormon, and that is uh, coming into Christ's appearance to the Nephites and the people, Lamanites and the people of the New World. And we're heading that up with, again, Samuel Lamanite. And Samuel is one, uh, Samuel is just, we should maybe just call him Samuel and not Samuel Lamanite. But Samuel is one of the fan favorites. He's one that we go to. We love him. He's such an incredible example and gives some of the most poignant prophecies as well as insights into personal righteousness and the role of the atoning Messiah. And so I think he's really a fantastic overview of everything we've seen. Now, John has led us up to a lot of intertextuality where you'll see basically quotes within a quote where you go back and see the text being quoted from earlier scriptures. And we should see them. They are everywhere in Helaman and especially coming up in Samuel the Lamanite. Samuel is going to use a lot of Nephite scriptures, not only Nephi, but King Benjamin and others to try to persuade the Nephite people to repent and turn back to their savior. So you're going to see a lot of this intertextuality. So there was really good timing to learn about that. And today, I think let's also cover a couple more things. Let's cover calling of prophets, use of names, angels, and last, the use of poetry. So prophets, names, angels, and the use of poetry. Today on the 20-minute scriptorian. So welcome back, everybody. As you know, I'm back in school, and so it's been great to have some guest hosting. I had to travel the last couple of weeks for work, and so as the pandemic is uh, loosening its restrictions, then my work is picking up even more. And so I've been all over the United States and traveling some of our other facilities for work. Work. So anyway, sorry about that, and that's why you're missing some of the intro music, but just because I don't have my regular equipment. Anyway, today, let's jump in because there's a lot to talk about. So uh, thanks for all of your patience as I... Uh, navigate work and everything else going on. School is starting back up next week, and so we'll see how uh, the trip with Gonzaga goes. We're headed into Hebrew Bible, so that's my favorite, as you know, what we call the Old Testament. So I'll tell you all stories all about it. It'll be awesome. And as another aside, I've been asked to do a fireside for the Berlin mission next week, so I've been putting together a, a fireside for that. So those of you who know me, I'm up for ideas. All right, everybody, here's 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 the story. So I had a, c- a couple of insights as I was reading through this. And Samuel, like I said, is just uh, beloved. He's, he's just an awesome prophet. And I think one of those characters that we just see 
and love because he's kind of the underdog. And I also think the story is so dramatic with him being on the walls and, and not being able to be uh, stoned or shot down by arrows and slings and just just very dramatic story of a prophet. And so it's it's a great story that you learn as a child and it sticks with you. And then there's the Freeburg picture with him up there with his red cape and his spear and he's speaking. And so it's just something just engraven on our memories is the story of Samuel. I want to see if we can engrave in something else as we talk. And a couple of clues, something that really hit me as I read this. Um, I was reading through this and, and writing some notes for the podcast. And I literally said out loud, wait, is this a poem? There was a section of it that is very repetitive. And I had to go back and I actually ended up in my notes, um, cutting and pasting it and trying to write it out as a poem. And yes, indeed, there are sections of this that are definitely poetry. And then I jumped out and, and did some uh, some online searching and, and found that, sure, people have actually even uh, written this as a poem. So here I was thinking it was so brilliant and recognized it as poetry. And there's a lot of poetry in here. And so we'll talk about that at the very end. So here's my here's my big aha. Read the whole thing at once. So read all three chapters or uh, all of Samuel's prophecies, all of Samuel's speaking. It's very short, but just read the whole thing in one sitting. So don't break it up. Say, not going to read a chapter at a time. Read the whole thing because that's how it would have been given. Now, also there are more than that. And Mormon mentioned that he can't write everything, but at least read everything that Mormon has given us. Additionally, on top of reading it all at one sitting, I want you to read it out loud. Read it out loud. Why, Lori? Why would I have to read this out loud? Because um, that's how it would have been given. And then I think you'll see more of the poetry. You'll see more of the emphases and the different things that he's trying to make. And there are a couple of them that just jumped out at me this time as I was reading it. So those are the two clues I'm going to give you and challenges. Now, if you can't read it out loud or you're embarrassed to read it out loud or you don't like reading out loud, the good news is, is if you go online and you go to the church website and you go to the scriptures, you can actually play them. And there are two different narrators. I like the female narrator. You can use the male narrator, but they have, uh, at least in English, they have it in, in two different narrators. So you can listen to it out loud. You don't even have to read it to yourself. So read it all at once in one sitting and read it out loud is my challenge for you this time. All right, let's jump in and find out the other sections, the prophets, names, angels, and poetry. So we've talked a lot about prophets, and we're really familiar with them in a way, but it's always interesting to me to look, because this is the first time we're going to see in the Book of Mormon at least one that we can think of where the dominant group, the Nephites, are going to receive a prophet from their less dominant group, in this case the Lamanites. And I think that should stand out at us. We think, what has happened to the culture that has become so corrupt that the Lord is calling a prophet from outside their own family? And then I got thinking, I said, when does that actually happen? And I, there were a couple of examples that I thought of of other people going to outside their own family or their own tribe or their own group. Um, and, and one of those we actually see early on, right? We see um, certainly the Nephites. We see things like the sons of Mosiah and Alma, and those guys are going out to teach the Nephites. And it says that they're going to be um, teaching them because they've been drawn away by the traditions of their fathers, right? Just what they grew up believing. This is what they grew up believing. And so they have a lot of hatred or, or misbeliefs. And so they go to correct those. And so in this case, we're saying, well, wait, is that the same thing happening with Samuel? Is he coming back into the Nephites to say, hey, you've been led astray by some of those traditions? So also, where's he going to go? He's going to go, um, This in this case, we have a prophet that's going to come to 
a big city. So he's coming to downtown Nephite town, right? Zarahemla. I mean, this is, this is the, you know, the Rome of its day, the New York city, the London, the, um, you know, Abu Dhabi, wherever you live, this is going to Tokyo. This is, this is downtown. This is the big city of, of wherever. And so this is, uh, there, there could be no sent more central a town than Zarahemla. And that's where Nephi is going to be called. Um, I also was thinking about a number of prophets outside of the Book of Mormon who had been called outside of their uh, town, right? And you see people like Elijah, uh, Jonah is a good example. Jonah's called to speak to his enemies, the Assyrians, who were particularly terrible, terrible people, um, and used to they skin their uh, enemies alive and impaled them and all these terrible things. And so there's no reason that there's a reason that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh and do the preaching. I mean, it's way worse than being called to like go to the University of Utah or BYU. Um, these are people that don't want to go there at all. And so similar to Jonah or Elijah going to speak to King Ahab um, or uh, sometimes uh, those were the big ones I could think of. And then the, the others in the Book of Mormon, Alma, Sons of Messiah, going out and teaching the people. They're going to the Lamanites now. Now the Nephites are the less righteous group. And so Samuel's going to be called to them. So we see this calling of prophets being called, and we see them called to the area that the Lord needs them to say, hey, there's a time to repent. And part of that repentance is that they, the Lord is... Is chastening the people. He's telling the people, he's giving them a chance because they're bringing destruction on themselves. So instead of being destroyed, he's giving them a chance. And that chance is going to be some of the pestilence and the things that are happening, the wars, but also the message of a prophet. Uh, one of the first things that jump out, let's read a little bit of this uh, of Samuel um, and see what we see about this calling of a prophet. But first, you see that um, this use of an well, they all kind of go together. So I know I said prophets' names and angels and the use of poetry, but some of these are going to blend. So sorry, it's not more organized than that. But you're going to see that these prophets get called. And let's read a little bit here because there's something really interesting that jumps out right at the beginning. First, at the very first of chapter, we're starting chapter 13 of verse Helaman. Now it came to pass in the 80 and 6th year, the Nephites did still remain in wickedness, yea, in great wickedness, while the Lamanites did observe strictly to keep the commandments of God according to the law of Moses. Okay, so right out of the bat, you're like, there's no doubt that the Nephites are not only wicked, but they're great, great wickedness. But the Lamanites start to keep the commandments, namely the law of Moses, which was the commandments that they were instructed to keep at the time. So as part of that, there becomes a, a prophet is called from there. And it came to pass that in this year, there was one Samuel, a Lamanite, came into the land of Zarahemla, and began to preach unto the people. And it came to pass that he did preach many days repentance unto the people, and they did cast him out. And he was about to return to his own land. But behold, the voice of the Lord came unto him that he should return again and prophesy unto the people whatsoever things should come into his heart. And it came to pass they would not suffer that he should enter the city. All right. So right out of the bat, interesting, right, that he's Samuel. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about what we know of Samuel. We don't know very much about Samuel. We do know that he is called of God and that he is called to another people, like we said. Um, and he went he, he went to teach the Lamanites, um, or is called to call the Nephites, who were very, very wicked. Uh, but we also know that he, about his name. Now, names are interesting in the scriptures. Sometimes 
we know that they're given names and they're given to either it means something and we've talked about this so i'm sure you're used to this by now but the first place i go to is look up the meaning of the name if you don't know hebrew or you don't know whatever names they're using in central america or north america at the time at least try uh, but one of these you're going to see is samuel now samuel is a hebrew name and so this one's easy to look up but names mean something they mean either what the person is destined to do what they could do or what the hopes and of their parents and the god has for them so it's something about their hopes it's a, maybe a mini patriarchal blessing that's a little bit of a stretch but just to kind of keep it in mind so the name samuel um, anytime you see E-L, L, like Samuel, Michael, uh, any of those, Daniel, L means God in Hebrew. And so it's something of God. So when you look at it, you say, well, what does Samuel mean? Um, and it means either heard of God, called of God, or it could be even God has hurt me. Um, sh uh, shem means to hear shema shama means to hear and obey um, like listen and obey it's that verb in hebrew and uh, it could also be the lord has listened the lord has heard or called the lord has called so called of god heard the lord has heard me so um so interesting and that's exactly what his calling is going to be maybe the calling the calling to go and teach the nephites but perhaps it's the the, there are a few righteous people and they're calling out to God and God has heard them and sent a prophet to them. So the name means something. So go and look at that and see if you can't figure out what those names mean. Now, another example that comes up is that he is very specifically paralleled to, um, to a number of prophets. We mentioned Jonah and Elijah and specifically though, Nephi in Helaman that he was called and he immediately turns and goes back to to teaching so he's teaching he's rebuffed people don't listen to him and he's pushed away and he hears the voice of the Lord and says go back and he immediately goes back and so you should see the parallels with Nephi in the earlier part of Helaman that's exactly doing the same thing it reminded me well as well as a number of others like Amulek and uh, Alma and some of the others where it says they were they were called um, to teach and they were being rebuffed and it says um and alma it says he's he's cast out and then um it says immediately told by an angel turn around and go back and you'll meet a guy named amulek and amulek is meets an angel and so so you see these interventions and i think we should see the parallels with nephi this in helaman nephi that he immediately hears and obeys the lord so his name truly is samuel but also parallel to Nephi. Nephi is called the same way. He's called to go immediately out into the people and reteach them, even though he's being rebuffed. So if you're interested in look, looking that up, you can find some of those um, in uh, Mosiah, let's see, Mosiah 3 and 4. Oh no, I'm sorry. Where's the rebuffed word? Alma 8. Alma's weighed down with sorrow and then he, uh, an angel reappears and sends him back to Ammonihah. So a similar as well as Nephi. So some other examples just stuck out at me that this seems to be something that the prophets get sometimes a little bit like I tried and then they get pushed back and then the Lord sends them back in. And that's exactly what's happening with Samuel. Let's jump back to the verses really quickly and see if we don't see a couple of these other clues. I want you to watch for this example of the word of the Lord, but also uh, this voice of the angel that comes and speaks to him because it, it's an interesting quote. So heading back. 
The voice, behold, the voice of the Lord came unto him that he should return again and prophesy unto the people whatsoever things should come into his heart. And it came to pass that they would not suffer that he should enter the city. Therefore he went and got up on the wall thereof, stretched forth his hand and cried with a loud voice and prophesied unto the people whatsoever thing the Lord put into his heart. And he said unto them, Behold, I, Samuel, a Lamanite, do speak the words of the Lord, which he doth put into my heart. And behold, he hath put into my heart to say unto this people that the sword of justice hangeth over this people. And 400 years pass not away, save the sword of justice falleth upon this people. Yea, heavy destruction awaiteth this people, and it surely cometh unto this people. And nothing can save this people, save it be repentance and faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, who surely shall come into the world and shall suffer many things and shall be slain for his people. And behold, an angel of the Lord hath declared it unto me, and he did bring glad tidings unto my soul. So did you see one of the things that was interesting while reading this out loud? Um, Samuel is really stressing that he is Lamanite and he is coming to speak to this people, this people, the sword of justice, the destruction waiteth this people, um, and it comes to this people, and no one can save this people uh, unless they they repentant and faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. But then it gives this prophecy that Jesus Christ would come into the world, suffer many things, and be slain for his people. So you hear it, um, you can hear the cadence, uh, almost a drumbeat of this people, this people, his people. Um, in contrast, so you say, hey, this has got to be a wake-up call. I might not be his, being the Lord Jesus Christ's people, uh, if I don't repent and change and have faith in him. I need to be part of his flock, as opposed to this people have gone astray. They are no longer part of just a, uh, in the Old Testament terms, they would just say, well, we're just part of the covenant. We, we can do anything we want. And in this one, they're saying, you guys need to repent, but you, you're you outside the group. And so you see, you hear it with this cadence. Interesting, isn't it? So read it out loud. You just, you find so many little nuggets like that. And it's, it reads clunky. And then when you hear it, it just hits you right between the eyes. Uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ will surely shall come into the world and shall suffer many things and shall be slain for his people. And then behold, an angel of the Lord hath declared it unto me, and he did bring glad tidings, which is literally the term that we use now, the gospel, um, right? Good news, glad tidings uh, to my soul. And behold, I was sent unto you to declare it unto you also. I love this. It's not that it's all going to be bad news. We just hit you over the head with this. You're outside, um, the the loving atonement of, of Christ. You guys have strayed, but you can repent. And that's the good news. That's the glad tidings to my soul. And I was sent to declare it to you, right? That ye might have glad tidings. You'll have the good news. You'll have the happy report, right? The gospel. I'm here to give you the glad tidings, the good news, the gospel. But behold, you wouldn't receive me. And the Lord saith, and thus saith the Lord, because of the hardness of the hearts of the people of the Nephites, except they will repent, I will take away my word from them, and I will withdraw my spirit from them, and I will suffer them no longer, and I will return the hearts of their brethren against them, and I will turn. Um, go back to this. So it's starting to look gloomy, but there's hope, right? You hear that hope, and the Lord always has got his hand outstretched for us. 
One of the things that I thought was angel, uh, an interesting point is this angels that jumped out at me. So you saw it said he was taught to me by an angel. And, you know, we often wonder, how does revelation work for prophets? And he said, we heard the one that the spirit spoke to him and said, you know, what, what would be put into his heart? Uh, so it isn't what's going to be put into his mind, what put into his soul, what put in words, but what's put in his heart. But then there's also this reference of angels. And I got thinking about it and I was like, boy, that sort of comes up a lot in the Book of Mormon, especially. We see this um, angel as being the one that's going to be the messenger that's going to bring this concept. And, and that's what the name angel is. The name angel is literally the word messenger. So a messenger. And, and it made me think of Moroni bringing the message of the restoration of the gospel to Joseph Smith, uh, whether it was in his bedroom or later as he learns to uh, about the translation of the plates. But this messenger is sent from heaven, this, this angelic, um, this uh, spiritual being is sent, this messenger. And so we see that there's a messenger that's given. And then I got thinking about it. I was like, boy, that comes up a lot. Um, and so I looked a couple of other examples and said, when does the Lord seem to be using this messenger? Because I remembered that, um, remember that Nephi, first Nephi, he sees the heavens opened and then he's with this angelic escort, this messenger that keeps asking him questions and answering about the dream. And so it says, the angel says, you know, what do you see? And it says, look, and then you see all these explanations. So there's a messenger revealing things. Now there's an angel that also comes and rebukes the brothers, Laman and Lemuel. There's that messenger too. But these other uses of this messenger keep coming up. First Nephi 19, words of an angel were going to come. And they told Nephi that 600 years into the coming of the Messiah. And now, right now, we hear in the next verses of Helaman, only 400 years from now, that the Nephites will fall. So was this the same angelic messenger? It, he doesn't say who it is, which is because that isn't the important part. His message is the important part, not the who it is that's important. But we see this, these angels, this, this, spiritual being that's brought these messages. So first, first Nephi, 600 years into the Messiah for Helaman and Samuel in the book of Helaman, it's going to be 400 years. The Nephites will fall. And then we're going to hear about Christ's coming in just a few short years. But also Jacob tells of the, um, is told in second Nephi six. So the little brother of first Nephi is told about the coming of the atoning Messiah. And he was told by an angel. Mosiah 3 and 4, you hear King Benjamin is going to share the words of the people as given to him by an angel. Mosiah 27, you remember the story of Alma the Younger, an angel comes down and shakes the earth. Alma 8, Alma's weighed down uh, with sorrow, and the angel that delivered the first message, that shaking the earth angel, reappears and sends him back to Ammonihah. Again, an angel. Alma 10, Amulek gets a message by an Alma, by a uh, to feed a prophet by an angel is told to go back that you'll feed a prophet. Alma 36, I was born of God and I learned by the mouth of his holy angel. So again, Alma the Younger, the sons of Mosiah, Ammon, uh, Amnihimni, those guys all were, uh, Aaron, did I miss him? Angels, plural. It says, right, they were there with Alma Jr., but they also said that they received thing. And we see that in the Old Testament as well. Abraham meets with a number of angelic messengers. We see um, an angel comes to Mary, right, the mother of the Lord. We also see angels coming to, to um, Zechariah, but also to Joseph, 
the stepfather of the Lord. We see angels being used a lot. And so it was just interesting that you'll see this over and over again, that how is the Lord sending his messages by a messenger, an angel. And the same thing happens for Samuel the Lamanite. Okay, so we've quickly gone over a little bit about prophets in general, they're recalling the calling of them, um, whether they're called from outside and coming into the new nations, some of the names, remember about Samuel, use of angels, and this use of poetry. There's a poem in here, and I know we're out of time, but I do want to hit it because we're gonna, so cool. But right here into this very beginning, we see that there's a poem in about verse 12. And I want you to hear it. And there's kind of a point right in the middle. Uh, Hebrew poetry works on parallels or compare and contrast. So you'll see lines that kind of they don't rhyme like we do they might rhyme but they don't rhyme in English like they do uh, in English or American poetry um, but they do have these parallels two little parallel lines so you'll kind of see the same thing repeated so when you see things repeating or something that's kind of compare contrast it's it's a parallel but the opposite parallel those are good indications that it's a poem and so you, we read poems all the time like hymn books all poems right but here it is see if you can see what the point of this poem is yay Woe unto the great city of Zarahemla, for behold, it is because of those who are righteous that it is saved. Yea, woe unto this great city, for I perceive, saith the Lord, that there are many, yea, even the more part of this great city that will harden their hearts upon against me, saith the Lord. But blessed are they who will repent, for them I will spare. But behold, if it were not for the righteous who are in this great city, Behold, I would cause that fire should come down out of heaven and destroy it. But behold, it is for the righteous sake that it is spared. But behold, the time cometh, saith the Lord, that when ye shall cast out the righteous from among you, then shall ye be ripe for destruction. Yea, woe be unto this great city because of the wickedness and abominations which are in her. So as I was reading, I was like, oh, that looks like a poem. And it, and you can see it's this great city, this great city, many will be saved and then they'll harden. But right in the middle, did you catch it? The point of the poem isn't about all the destruction. Yep, that's, that's a big point. But we should never forget this point and the one I'm going to end on. Blessed are they who repent, for them will I spare. All right, brothers and sisters, keep on reading and we'll keep continuing on with Samuel the Lamanite.